Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt the Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message. I went through several different formats, and uh, finally one came to the surface, and it was the heart. And the heart decides pretty much what, which path we take in this life, whether we take a, a wide, easy path or whether we take a narrow path that is a little harder. So when I learned about this, I turned to the Torah portion and uh, for this week, which is Tetzivah, you shall command. And as I read through the portion, some things and thoughts begin to come to me about how a little olive can produce two drops of oil and how many olives it would take to keep the lights burning in the tabernacle. I um, also thought about how many of us there are and what we do in life and how brightly we burn with like that olive oil I was, gonna, I was mentioning. We burn very brightly before the Lord, and the olive oil in its purity lasts a long time. So like us, we're here but for just a moment, but we last and burn brightly. I also thought about numbers of the redeemed. I've seen this, how the numbers of the redeemed far exceed the numbers of the, uh, the darkness in our present day. How an enemy attacks from the rear in the Amalekites. And how Hasatan, or Satan, attacks us from the rear. He attacks us when we're weak. He attacks us when we're, we're uh, vulnerable. He comes up. And i also seen a story about a well-known king, a fall of a king. A, a story that began to take shape with a battle. A story began to take shape about a battle that was all of us, that all of us fight and will continue to fight on which path we will go. And when I was young in this, I wasn't young. I come to faith older in life. And, but I come as a new believer. I went out to, I'm from the country, went to Cordell, Oklahoma. And there was a little congregation, about 30, 40 people out there. And it was a good thing. And the reason I remember this so much is because... The pastor got up and said, who is on the Lord's side? And she said, if you're on the Lord's side, you come up here and stand with me. And so I got up, eager, and went up and stood with her, and most of us were up there. But as I looked out in the, in the audience or the congregation, there were people out there that didn't come. And that bothered me. And I thought, why would you not come up here on this and be on the Lord's side? Well, this is some of where this is going to lead me, is our own strength. Sometimes we see life from our own strength, that we know more, that we have arrived more, that we have done more than anyone else, and we don't need to come up there because I've got it all figured out. When we look at Exodus 32, 26, 
We read, Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves unto him. So we skip down to 28. And so the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And 3,000 men fell on that very day. Moses commanded the people that day to come to the Lord. But it fell on prideful ears and prideful hearts. And many followed the wrong path. Which brings me back to the heart. The heart will decide which path we take. God's desire for a personal relationship and his love for us is a major theme of scriptures. His care about the condition of our heart is preeminent throughout his scriptures. His care about our heart. The word heart appears, occurs 862 times in the Bible, half of which is, are mentioned in the wisdom literature and in the prophets. Go figure. It appears more often than words like holy, blessed, and sacrifice. If we look at Proverbs 4.23, above everything else, guard your heart, for it is source of life's consequences. The Hebrew translation of guard means to keep above all keepings. So above all your guard, all that you guard, like your house, your marriage, your family, your money, whatever you guard, we are to guard with more vigilance than anything else, the heart. To know who our heart belongs to can give us peace despite life's desperate situations. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we have a choice to make, which way to go. I was thinking about this. We have a lot of gifts. The Bible talks about gifts, about some have the gift of prophecy. Some have the teach, gift of teaching. Others have the gift of uh, charity. But there is an enemy that comes along behind us. And he also gives gifts, gifts that we don't want. So what I'm trying to say is if we make the wrong choices, what goes into our heart comes out bad. If we make good choices, it's just see spot run. If we make good choices, what comes out of our heart is good. But there is an enemy and there is a way that the Bible says we're to go. But in a world that we have right now, it seems like darkness has taken over a little bit. And that was why it was important in the beginning for me to see that we outnumber, far outnumber, the darkness in the world. The light does. And in that moment, I'd seen Gehazi and Elisha talking to him and said, light them up. And he lit them up and the, world, the hills were full of flaming swords and horsemen and chariots burning brightly as that oil did. So there is a battle in the heavenlies is what I'm saying and it all comes down to ground zero, which is our heart. So uh, we're going to have to make a choice as we go down this road. And there were two biblical figures that I was drawn to. Both of them named Saul. Both of them were, played significant roles. Saul in the Old Testament or the Tanakh, and the other is in the New Testament or the Berit HaTashah. The one in the Old Testament, Saul the king, is most remembered as a man who sought to kill David. 
why Saul of Tarsus is most probably more remembered as Saul, but as not as Saul, but as Paul, which we know as Shaul, Rav Shaul, the apostle. I found it amazing as I followed these two men throughout the Bible that uh, one had a lot of humility in the beginning. Both of them were humble men. But Saul, son of Kish, he was humble in the beginning. When Samuel came to him and wanted to anoint him a king over Israel, he, uh, he went and hid. And it wasn't taken long that people started coming to Shaul or Saul because of uh, the Holy Spirit was evident that it was on him. And the name Saul actually means prayed for. The meaning of the name was significant because the children of Israel did ask for God for a king, and Saul was the immediate answer. King Saul was not born a king, and neither was Saul of Tarsus born an apostle. There was a journey to be taken. Both men were from the tribe of Benjamin, and both of them were called by God to become something special. In one case, again, one was to become the first king of Israel, and the other case to become an apostle of Adonai Yeshua. The Bible says that Saul was tall and handsome, a tall and handsome man, but he was also a humble man. Saul did not understand why him, like I talked about. Saul was anointed as king of Israel by Samuel, and he was loved by all who, who knew him. However, Saul's favor with God didn't last very long. I think I remember something of bleeding of sheep and lowing of cows. And in that moment, the Bible says that Saul's kingship was taken from him because he was disobedient to God and because he knowingly rebelled against God's will. Just as Saul managed to be disobedient is explained in the first book of Samuel. Samuel told Saul that he was made king when he was small in his own sight. He was humble. 1 Samuel 15:17. So Samuel said, When you were we little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? And that's some of the battle, I think, that we fight right here with this. Hophnius and Phinehas, they offered an offering before the Lord, and they did it in their own authority. Samuel come up, I mean Saul come up, and he was told what to do. And all of a sudden, he was a king. He knew this. And he did what was in his own, what was right in his own eyes. And that's what I'm trying to say a little bit here today is that maybe those people in Cordell, Oklahoma stayed down there because they was doing what was right in their own eyes, even though they knew the word of the Lord and they were there to worship the Lord. So we have a choice to make. That is going to be one of my central themes. After being made king, Saul began to think more of himself, and pride crept in. Therefore, it was easier for Saul to see his own judgment as wise and equate it with the judgment of God and choosing to do what he wished concerning the Amalekites that God had not wished. Saul showed that his value, that he valued his decision capabilities, making capabilities over God's. The Spirit of God left him, and David was anointed king and in, in his stead. Just when Saul changed, everybody has a turning point. Saul received a heart that he really didn't want, that he didn't see coming. A time or a moment that causes some changes in your life. 
The Bible says that King Saul was tormented by an evil spirit and that this spirit was sent by God. 1 Samuel 16 to 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit of the Lord troubled him. That's quite a mouthful when it says a distressing spirit from the Lord come and troubled him from the Lord. After that, it was all downhill for Saul. The kingdom was taken up, was taken from him and given to David. And though his, he tried his best to retain it, he could not fight against the will of God. Saul died in battle, but he died by his own spear. A lot of times, I think dying in battle shows that you're valiant and you're doing this and you're doing that. But to die by his own spear, he died by his own hand. And I wrote down here, I said, if someone was to, to dig into the foundation of us, what would they see? Us doing right or secretly wanting the glory? I talked to my mother a little bit. She's been a pastor for 50 years. And she told me and my brother a long time ago that glory doesn't belong to us. So we can get... Glenna, bring that water, please. I'm so nervous I can't even get spit. I, t I told him, warn him, I'm a country boy. I ain't no telling where this is going to go. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's been a long time. It has. And I disobeyed my wife, so I was in my own will because I, she told me to take the water, and I didn't do it. <laughs> but anyway, in the Bible, I, one thing that stuck out to me is that when you went down in there and the priests were, you dug in the wall, and the priests were all in there doing their own thing, you know. And it's that if we dug down to our foundation, who are we going to find? We're going to find somebody that's secretly trying to stay in the world or secretly loving the Lord. I mean, we dig down to our base of our foundation, which comes to our heart, which makes the decision on the path that we do go. And is it a good path or is it a right path? Saul started off good, the king. He started off good, but he got lost in the transition. People loved him. They followed him. He was good looking. You know, he had it all going on, but all of a sudden he got excited about himself. When he got excited for himself, he lost himself. He did. He went away. He should not go. And there are U-turns. And the next guy we're going to look at, he started off kind of like that. I saw of Tarsus of Rav Shaul. He was a zealot. He was from, also from the tribe of Benjamin. He was proud of his heritage and proud of being a Pharisee. He was determined to wipe out those who would serve Messiah Yeshua. Saul decided to go on a mission to destroy them all. He, who dared to follow Yeshua? The Bible says that he was present at Stephen's stoning and that he held the clothes of those who stoned Stephen. Here, to me, we got a man that thought he was doing right, but he was actually doing wrong. It was a condition of the heart, which was soon to be fixed. We'll turn to Acts 22:20. Also, that when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I stood there too in full agreement. I was even looking after the clothes of the ones who were killing him. He was feared by those who followed the way. And no doubt, 
that his name was on the lips of the believers whose lives were threatened by him when they prayed. Here this guy was, a noted Pharisee, going about, and people that loved the Lord were praying. If it was me praying, and I was believing in the Lord, I'd probably be praying for his awakening, his ruination, or just to get him off my back so I could have some, some room. Yet God arrested Saul and called him to his service. He was on his way to Damascus to trouble and torment those who followed Yeshua. And it was kind of amazing to me. This guy, like I've mentioned, he was headed out to do what he thought was the Lord's work. He was going up to wipe out these people that were bringing something that was light, something that was catching fire, and stop it so he could keep his way alive. When he was on his way up there and before he got to Damascus, he, he was breathing murderous thoughts or threats. I could just picture that. I actually wrote a little deal about that one time. This guy that wrote so much of the New Testament, breathing murderous threats. And he was bound to put them all in jail or whatever they did. And he approved of this. Yet God arrested him and called him into service. He was on his way to Damascus, breathing these threats. And Yeshua appeared to him and basically took his eyesight in order to give him a godly vision. We were in Ephesus, Glenna and myself, many years ago. And we were walking down this entryway thing, and they had a picture, a, a stone relief of Paul, of Shaul. And the eyes were all gouged out like that. And it was supposed to symbolize that he had poor vision. Well, maybe he had poor vision, but it lasted three days. And then that man called Ananias from a street called Straight. Came. He talked about wanting to listen to the Lord and be obedient to the Lord. What if Ananias hadn't come? What if he hadn't got the word? Would he have used somebody else? Or would he have used you? That's why it is important to know the Lord's Word. But when his scales fell off and his eyes opened, he had a godly vision. The proud man was humbled in an instant, and he was forever changed. Where Saul, King Saul, got a heart he didn't intend on seeing, didn't see coming, Rav Shaul got the heart that he had. He got the good heart, a heart to serve, and he was forever changed in that moment. Shul began, became a servant of the very Yeshua he had scorned. Some of us in our life, we have lived out in the way that we shouldn't go. And how neat is it that in that moment, he opened our eyes to the truth that he is. He went spreading the good news and far and wide, supporting himself. And I thought about that for a minute. I thought a lot of things when I was doing this. Paul, or Rav Shaul, supported himself. Saul, son of Kish, was a king. 
He had it all for him. So don't be shy in putting our hands to the plow. And he suffered a lot for his trials and eventually dying for the gospel. I think it was interesting that King Saul died trying to preserve his kingdom. And Rav Shaul died protecting the kingdom of God. A kingdom that he was heir to. He's healed, Rav Shaul healed the sick. He cast out demons and raised the dead. For the rest of his life, he boldly did what was set before him, constantly seeking to please God and to do his will in everything. And another comment on these two. The heart has to change. That's one thing my mama told me. I always listen to mama. That heart has to change for there to be true redemption. And like the praise and worship team was saying, and Jonathan so elegantly was saying, it is a change of heart. It really is. And he is a loving God. So we're going on a voyage of discovery now. The two souls were very similar and yet very different. One could say that their personalities were similar, but at different times in their lives. When Saul, the son of Kish, was first anointed king, his humility was the blessing which caused him to do the will of God. His pride, which came later, was a hindrance, causing him to be blind and deaf to the word, the will, and the word of the Lord. The Lord, now this is a strong word, the Lord despised him for it and regretted him, making him king. We turn to Proverbs 8, 13, and we will read, The fear of Adonai is a hatred of evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil ways. And there's that word, duplicious speech. That's my only five-pound word, Um, which actually means deceitfulness in your speech. So I guess when we take the wide path, we stray from the Word. We fall in our own pride, and the Lord's not real happy with us. Shaul's pride caused him to retaliate against God. His pride had blinded him so much that he was not able to see he was actually fighting with God and not with men. When God opened his eyes, pride fell from him, and humility took over. We're talking about Rav Shaul. He was able to walk in the will of God and obedient because he no longer had any pride. I think the Bible says something about pride going before a fall. Both of these men were men of stature. Shaul, the king of Israel, and Shaul, the well-known Pharisee. Both men had humility. Just kind of a wrap up. Saul at the beginning and Shaul at the end. Both men had pride. One had it at the beginning, the other at the end. Both men died fighting. Like I said a while ago, one for the kingdom and one for God's kingdom, one for his kingdom. Both men did battle with evil spirits. Saul was tormented and Shaul cast them out. I thought that was interesting that Saul... When the Lord sent the Spirit upon him to torment him, he was tormented. And then you've got the other one that started the opposite way. And when he come into the fullness of what he was, 
he actually cast them out of people. Both men, in a way, were breathing murderous threats. We talked about Shaul and Saul. I see Saul after David as breathing murderous threats because David kept looking at him in honor in the position of king and saying, not, I will not hurt God's anointed, when actually he was God's anointed. So as an enemy chases us, the devil or Satan or Hasatan, we do battle with him. And he chases and he wants to consume us and he wants to take us down. But uh, he's not going to get the job done. In a personal battle, sin is always trying to cancel out good. Genesis 4, 6 through 7. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin lies at the door. And, it is, and its desire is for you. Sin, the battle that we rage in our heart, the battle that I'm trying to portray here when these two men fought, is trying to rule over us. It is desired to take us. And here's a punchline to me. You should rule over it. We're given all the equipment that we need to put down darkness. We're given everything that we should have to put down darkness. We should rule over it. And remembering that there is many more of us than there are those in the darkness. But yet we yield to the darkness. Yet we find ourselves compromised by pride, the desires of the world. And remember, the heart is what separates these things, and what we put into the heart is what we get out of it. How does he How does it? We should rule over it. In other words, it shouldn't seem like to me there shouldn't even be a battle. We should, with who we are and what we represent, and the kingdom that we are headed to and we belong to now, we shouldn't. It shouldn't even be a battle. But for so many, it is a battle. It really is. The weapon on this is our past. Many of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Satan is the one that likes to attack us from the rear. He likes it when we're tired, and he likes it when we're frustrated. He likes it when we don't do what we're supposed to. He attacks our past with lies designed to tear us down. We begin to doubt who we are. And the reason, often the fall is slow. It's not really quick, it, although it could be. When we begin to doubt who we are and the reason we took the road in the first place, if we are not careful, our foundations begin to erode and the glamour and deceit of today's world begins to shine. The luster of the world should fade before the brilliance of the Lord, remembering those olives and that little bit of oil. We do have tools, so we're not left alone to help us fight the battle. The main one is prayer. We have a word in the Bible. We need to read it. And like this, being around like-minded people. And then we have the most precious gift of all, the Holy Spirit. And he will lead us and guide us. So we're standing on this verge of collapse. We're not using the tools that we were given. 
We're feeling alone in our struggle. Feel the vision begins to narrow and thoughts arise trying to conceive, convince us that we don't matter. Then we begin to take control in our own authority. And we begin our frontal attack. And who are the most convenient ones to attack? Our loved ones. Refusing to be hurt. And a lot of times people put up a wall. I notice this a lot in my occupation. And it's because they don't want to be hurt. They've been hurt before. And that's when we come together, guys. We need to come together in the light of the Lord. Because people have been hurt in these buildings right here. People have been hurt with people that claim to be doing good. And that starts a downward fall for them. We matter. We truly matter in this world. We matter to each and every one of us. We matter to the Lord. And I put down here, watch out. We are convenient targets. And even the Lord can be a convenient target. I mean, why does this happen? Why does that happen? My answer to that has always been it's because of our sin nature, because of the sin in the world. It is a loving God that can only separate out and only know what is best for someone. So as mattering, we need to put ourselves in his place and help. Because pride and arrogance put us on the wrong path. All right, we're starting to fall in this. And it says, I was a prey. And you start to awaken to the way, the truth, and the life for the narrow path. Feeling helpless but not defeated. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Realizing that if we f focus solely on our failures, we begin to lose our joy. And there's some things that to keep in the repertoire in these times, especially when we're starting to wake up. Yeshua died for us. There's a big one right there. And he, he died for our sins. And I've heard it said around here that if uh, we're not going to do right all the time, maybe that shouldn't even come from here, but it's almost impossible to do right all the time. But by the blood of the Lamb, we do have redemption and we do have forgiveness, which is very important. And what is also important is the Lord will fight for us. He will. He will not stand by and wonder why you don't get hit by the semi out on the interstate and wonder why your wife forgives you. Or, you know, He fights for us and He fights for them. And that's one of our main prayers and the drive that we make up here is that we are protected along with every man, woman, and child that shares that highway with us. It is a love. Life in itself, I have seen this as a nurse, is a miracle. It is amazing the resilience of the human heart. I was a cardiac nurse for 20 years. And then it's also wondering the fragileness of a heart. And you see it quit. And you see the life disappear. And then like I've said before, the glory doesn't belong to us. The Lord doesn't share his glory. And that is a very important thing to remember. Another thing, we can't live in two worlds. A lot of people out there, including me at times, who try to have my cake and eat it too. 
Uh, we try to be fresh and salt. We try to be the things we cannot be. We choose this day who you will serve. There are more of us than there are of them. And that is a central thing to me. Because as I see the news, as I walk through the, the, wa- the world here, all I see is them. Darkness. Now, I'm not calling everybody a sinner. I'm not calling anybody everything. But maybe this is just my eyes. I see darkness. And it's, there is more of them than there is of us. So we go on a voyage of discovery. And be careful not to despise the long way. Because sometimes, like it says, if we see war quickly, we may fall, which would put us back on a wide path. Some of us have been on the road a long time. The testing of our faith leads to victory. And sometimes that's hard. Saul's vision was limited physically, but more than abundant spiritually. Shaul. We have to defeat the enemy totally by wiping out sin and evil influences in our lives. And that was another thing that I learned. You can whip it for a moment, but it's always going to come back. So what we need to do is beat it down and dispose of it totally, wiping it out in our life. Who are we in the world? We're temporary. I mean, I do that a lot. Pick up a little sand and toss it up in the air and and watch it disappear. It's like a mist. It's only there for a few seconds. In Romans 8, 37, we read, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who are we in Yeshua? This is where I do better in a Bible study. We are loved. John 3.16 For the Lord gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. If anybody out there I said when Yeshua who are you? We're loved. Can you think of anything else? Treasure? Forgiven. That's a good one. Thank you. Redeemed? Redeem, amen, brother. I think I wrote that down. I'm so forgetting so much of this stuff. Uh, go, Eric. Tessie? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We are chosen by him. And like I said, and I say again, what we do do matters. Thinking back in summary, thinking back to Saul and Shul, these two men showed how one person can start well and end badly, and how one person can start badly and end well. It all has to do with which path you choose today and whom, and whom will you serve this day. The guarding of our heart is a continual growing and maturing process. We must learn what it feels like to be protected by God's peace and stay there. Learn to recognize and know that his voice sounds like what it sounds like and heed it. That's a big one. That is a big one. To know that voice. And we are trained to know that voice or that unction. And when you do hear that, obey it. Learn his words and depend on them in times of decision. 
We must guard our hearts from idolatry because the world and its ways want to crowd God out of our hearts. Yeshua showed us, by example, one strategy of guarding our hearts. And I thought this was a pretty cool thing. He often went out to pray alone. And then he was ready for war. If you never got alone to pray by yourself for a while, try it. It is good. It really is. To stay on the narrow path, there are some very simple requirements. Your heart has to change. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Messiah Yeshua is Lord. And I hear a lot about revival. I thought about skipping this part. Are you ready for revival? We see it happening. We hear of the rumors of it. Are we as a congregation ready for revival? Are you as an individual ready for revival? Do we have it in our hearts? Can we do the things that we need to do? Can we stay on the path that is laid out before us? I'm with you. I'm ready for revival. So it comes back again to that thing. If we had an accounting today, who is on the Lord's side? Are you? I am. Because there will come a day of accounting. And he will take notice of us that are ready. He will. We'll end this with Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because the narrow gate and difficult because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And my last little comment on this, and thank you for being so patient with me. It says it's difficult. I was under the false assumption when I was younger that if you confess and you were one and done. I mean, you were golden. I didn't expect it to fight for it every day of my life. But it is my pleasure to battle an enemy that wants my soul because my God is my God. My King is my King. Thank you. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10.40 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.